Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio. You're taught to live without your soldier, and so that's what you do to survive. When I'm deployed, she hits her stride, she's moving out. You know, when you when you call sometimes, it's like you're, what do you want? I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> It's almost sad to see how well the family could do without you, and then you come back in and you just you kind of disrupt that. It takes a while to really yeah. find the rhythm again and find your spot in the house. That's Lieutenant Colonel Mike Haggerty. Last year, he nominated his wife, Anna, for the Military Spouse of the Year Award. She deserves it. During their two-decade marriage, they've moved 12 times for Mike's job, all while Anna gave birth to and raised their seven kids. Sometimes Mike's with the family, but sometimes he's deployed far away in a war zone. Places where it's difficult to talk. Places where Anna's often scared for his life. So I I spent a year in Afghanistan from 05 to 06. I just got back from a nine-month deployment to Afghanistan. And then I went unaccompanied to Korea for a period of time, too. I've always wondered what it would be like to be a military spouse. To be alone so much of the time, but then to also deal with the uncertainty. The fear. But after talking to Mike and Anna, I realized there's another side of it, too. A side that civilians like us don't often see or think about. There's the structure, the camaraderie of other military families, and the service to something bigger than you are. Something bigger than your marriage and bigger than your family. It's been a huge blessing to us. It really encouraged us and sometimes forced us to be an independent couple, both together, and but also, and maybe more for me, more independent myself. I'm Joe Piazza. This is Committed. Mike met at Appalachian State University in Boone, North Carolina in 1996. He was a junior. She was a sophomore. Yeah, so we've been drinking and having a good time, and I knew immediately when she walked through the door that she was the one. 
And it took her about nine more months to really uh, <laughs> call me back or be interested in me and all. But yeah, it was kind of love at first sight. Um, my story's a little different. <laughs> it always is. So one of my roommates worked at the student government office on campus. And I remember going to see her one day about something. And I walked in and I saw him and he stood up and he's 6'5". And I was like, wow, okay. And so that kind of piqued my interest a little bit. So I would get information from her. But I do remember consciously having some thoughts in my head. All right, God, I know this is the one, but I'm going to wait and see how all this is going to work out. And so I knew very early on. When they met, Mike already knew he was going to be commissioned by the Army in December of 1998. It's one of the reasons they got engaged so quickly, about a year after they started dating. That way they could have another year to plan the wedding. Oh, we had a beautiful way. <laughs> it was much more than he and I, I think, could have ever imagined or afforded. So thank goodness for our parents who really came in and supported us. It was a big Catholic military wedding. And so I think we had over 300 guests. It was on New Year's Eve. And so we had a wedding mass and then we had a full dinner course, I guess, meal and then cake. And then at midnight, you know, they dropped balloons at our reception. And it was fantastic because the church was already decorated and everybody already had time off and they were able to travel and everyone was in a good mood. So that time of year was just fantastic. And I still, every anniversary, people will still comment about what a fantastic wedding it was. Army life was old hat to Mike. His dad was in the Marines for 30 years. But it was brand new to Anna, who grew up in a civilian family. The military in and of itself is a completely different culture. You have your own language. You'll have your own foods, you know, depending on if you're in different parts of the country or different parts of the world. They have their own dress. And so it's really just a different culture. We were young enough to where we were able to be adaptive, not only to each other, but to his career. And so I think that that really gave us a good head start on this journey. Then Mike got his first set of orders. Here's how that works. With the Army, you get to put down preferences of where you want to go, but you don't exactly get to choose. They said Korea, and I thought, well, that's a great way to spend our first year of marriage is me in Korea for a year. Separated, yeah. Um, but, and, and actually what happened when I got the orders, they got amended somehow, and we ended up going to Alaska for our first duty station and spent three years there. So it really worked out. It was a great first assignment. It was this giant relief that they weren't going to be separated. So they packed up all their belongings into their Ford Explorer in the smallest U-Haul they could find and drove 4,000 miles across the country, away from their friends, away from their family, and away from every bit of life that they already knew. Then spent four nights on a ferry going up to Alaska and then got off that, and we still had another 1,000 miles of gravel road to drive. And, and uh, I mean, it was an adventure. And when we got up there, you're all alone together. And the only, thing, the only people we knew were, were, were each other. Once they got to Alaska, they had a plan for what their life and their marriage would look like. We would try to have kids right away, but I knew I would work up until that point, And then after that, I would be a stay-at-home mom or a homemaker. And so there weren't any issues there. And then we, you know, we would just kind of get started and then see where we would adjust as necessary. They got started trying to have a baby right away, but it didn't happen as quickly as they'd hoped. You're having trouble having a baby when you're having, you know, just those newlywed issues it's not like you could run home and, and go to mom and dad and spend the night. It was, no, we're, we're going to figure this out. And uh, so we spent three years in Alaska, in northern Alaska, in Fairbanks. So, you know, just a tough environment and solving those problems every day and, and kind of working through that. I, I think it really set the foundation for, our, for us. It took us a while to conceive our first. 
And so I'll preface that by saying that we now have seven. Yeah, you heard her right. Seven kids. I can't even imagine what it's going to be like to parent two, but Anna is so nonchalant when she talks about parenting seven children. You know, you just take them one at a time. I mean, we just kind of roll with the punches. It's It doesn't take a lot more money, you know, to feed one more mouth. But let's back up a little bit. Anna and Mike spent three years in Alaska, and then it was time for another deployment. And we say, well, that was fun. What's next? And then we move on to our next assignment. And then they say, hey, we're going to send you to Italy for three years. Now, if you've ever taken small children on an airplane on vacation or packed them into a car for an eight-hour drive, just imagine what it would be like to extend that vacation. Along with all the uncertainty, all the chaos, to extend it out for three years in a place completely unknown and foreign to you. A vacation in Italy is one thing. Navigating a grocery store and schools and finding a house in Italy is quite another thing. That was tough because we were in Italy and I didn't have any family there. And then you, you're looking for a place to live. And, you know, for us, finding a place to live sometimes, you know, between the size of the kids and then Anna wants to go in and, you know, select a house based on the, the size of the kitchen or the walk-in closet. And I want to go and select it based on the size of the garage or the backyard. <laughs> and, you know, and so we, we work through those. And each time we've gone through that, and uh, I think it's made us stronger as a couple. And you work through that adversity and then... <sighs> I mean, it's not all fun, <laughs> but you just do it. You take it day by day. You get in a routine. Anna delivered their third baby in Italy, and it was quite the culture shock. As soon as the baby was born, I got thrown out like within 30 minutes, could visit for one hour a day for the next two days. She was eating crackers in the in maternity toast. ward and the window, the, like toast, and the windows were wide open. During so hot summer days in Italy, the windows are open in a room and no air conditioning. Just... Just a unique experience as she kind of toughed through that. Good times. Good times. Good good times. (laughs) Good times are a good time to take a break. Be right back. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. So Mike and Anna were in Italy with three kids, the first three of seven. Italy would be the second of 12 moves for their family. For the most part, they've been able to stay together, but Mike has also had deployments where the family couldn't come with him. So I spent a year in Afghanistan from 05 to 06. I just got back from a nine-month deployment to Afghanistan. And then I went unaccompanied to Korea for a period of time too. eventually brought the family over, but we were apart about four months that time. So it's been, there's been three or four times where we've been deployed, where we've been separated. These were the days before Skype, before FaceTime. We were able to get one 20-minute morale call a week. 
And that was it. And so you lived for those phone calls. Not only do you discuss, well, I discussed not only what was going on in my life, but it's also an opportunity to discuss, you know, what was going on in his life or if there are any issues. And it really prioritized what you talked about because you didn't have all day to sit there and talk either. So whether you had, you know, 30 minutes or an hour, you really had to prioritize what was important. And I think that that was good. And so we would spend a couple minutes talking about, you know, how's everything going? Great. And then Anna would hit her list real quick at the last, you know, hey, I got this bill for this. We need to do this. Or, and we'd run through it like a checklist just to get mm-hmm. through it. But on the, And you couldn't really be part of the events. It's not like you were calling home on, um, sometimes you couldn't call home on anniversaries or Christmas and those kind of things. Like for the first deployment, my oldest daughter, Catherine, when I came back from that, both on R&R and when we redeployed, that girl didn't want anything to do with me. She was, you know, stranger danger. Who's this guy? Had no idea who I was. And I was kind of concerned about the same thing happening on this, this latest deployment with our youngest daughter, Megan. But with FaceTime and being able to talk to her almost every day on FaceTime, I, when I came back, she knew mm-hmm. exactly who I was. And, and it, it really closed that gap. You know, there wasn't that, that feeling of the kids don't know who you are when you get back. So technology has been great. I mean, yeah, deployments huge, are totally different yeah. now. Yeah, being in the span that we've been in, things are just so different. And when you've experienced that change, you realize how good people have it now. But now I feel like an old person saying that. (laughs) (laughs) I think the expectations have changed a lot when you go from a 20-minute conversation once a week to, you know, being able to call your spouse pretty much anytime you want if they're available. And yeah, just so grateful for that. When Mike is away, Anna is essentially operating as a single mom. It's a big burden no matter how many kids you have. I don't think it's any more difficult now having seven than it was having two or three. You know, it's not like at any one time all seven children need something. Yeah, we don't have seven toddlers. (laughs) You're still, you're still, you know, we got. We have some big ones and middle ones and. Yeah, the range goes from 18 to two years old. Routine, routine, routine. The kids know what to expect. You know what you have to do, and you use your time wisely. I have a lot of people say, you know, I don't know how you do it. And I say, well, I do it the same way that you do it. I do my best every day. Some days we're in survival mode where they, you know, they've had pizza for (laughs) three times this week now. For me, when he was gone, I would usually wake up at 530 in the morning, and my thing is food. So I make their lunches every day. But I do that in the peace and quiet before they wake up because I know that once they wake up, they're going to need my attention in getting ready for school. At that point, I make sure that they have breakfast too, and then they'll go off to school. And then I do everything, gosh, I feel like everything else before they come home because it seems like a whole new day starts when they come home. Um, so while they're gone, I'll do laundry, grocery shopping, cleaning up, all, all the little things that just add up and take energy and time. And then when they come home, they're hungry (laughs) for my sanity and for the kids' sanity. They were in bed, especially the little ones, at 730. And that meant that I either got to sit down and have a quick conversation with my husband uninterrupted or just sit in peace and quiet or go read a book in my bed or, you know, just start to prepare for the next day. There's a lot more laughter when daddy's around, and that's good for everybody. <laughs> but there's also a lot more routine that I provide and stability, which they need because he's here, he's there. I think reintegrating with your family for a soldier, at least for me in my experience over the last years, reintegrating with family is, is one of the most difficult things you're going to do because they, they've, got a, they've got a system. Everything you do when you come back is kind of wrong, right? You, you want to keep the kids up past bedtime. You want to, let's skip shower night tonight. Let's 
go to church on Saturday night instead of Sunday morning so we can go fishing in the morning. I mean, I, I just, you kind of, when you're coming back home, you feel like you're disrupting everything. And so what, what works for Ann and I, you know, whenever I redeploy from anywhere is we immediately go on vacation where everything is disrupted for everybody. That works really well for us because it, it can be difficult coming back into the family and not for any of the combat related stuff, but just because the family. It's really neat to watch Anna from afar when I'm deployed because she's she hits her stride. She's moving out. You know, when you when you call sometimes, it's like you're. What do you want? I'm I'm busy. <laughs> you know, it's. Uh, I'm double so parenting here. What do you? Want? It, it's almost sad to see how well the family could do without you, and then you come back in and you just you kind of disrupt that. And it takes it takes a while to really yeah. find the rhythm again and find your spot in the house. I don't know. It sounds bad when I say it like this, but it does take a while to. No, I think that's reality. Um, they say that coming back is harder than leaving. Essentially, you know, as far as a spouse, you're taught to live without your soldier. And so that's what you do to survive. And so when they come back, you really have to kind of shake things up a little bit and say, hey, you know, this is my responsibility now. Or, hey, can you please take this responsibility off my shoulders or, you know, they need some discipline from dad now because they're tired of hearing mom's voice or, you know, can you just give me support in this area or, hey, you can have this. And so it's that readjustment time that is really, I think, harder than actually leaving. And both of you feel like you're getting to the finish line at the same time. And so, (laughs) you know, Anna's been doing it for nine months by herself. She's ready for a break. And I've been working for 270 consecutive days, you know, from five in the morning till midnight and uh, I'm ready for a break. And and when you have kids and you come back home and you're reintegrating, you both can't take a break at the same time. So it feels like you're hitting the finish line, but the, the race isn't over. It's, you know, you're just getting a partner on the race. At the, and so it takes a little bit of time to work through that, that challenge. It's amazing how smoothly things run when I'm not around. You almost, when you pull out and leave, you expect there to be some disruption of what's happening back here. But actually, when I pull out and leave, things run smoother. And as from afar, it looks like things are held together much better when she's doing it by herself. And now that I say that out loud, it sounds you know, terrible. But I just, from <laughs> afar, you know, you talk to her and she's like, well, the kids go to bed at 7.30 every night and they... You know, they're getting up for school and doing this and we, she's got a regimented and a pattern that's the way Anna kind of approaches it she she gets on a schedule and, and just maintains it and plows through it for nine months and and when you come back in immediately disrupt that I'm the kind of disruption that uh, comes in after that well no I think it could go either way and one is either you break down and things fall apart or B you step it up and realize there is no backup plan like you are it and if anything goes wrong you're the one that's got to deal with the consequences. Well, I don't want to deal with the consequences. So I would just, you know, step it up 150% and make sure things went as smoothly as possible. But uh, that being said, I will say it seems like when the soldier is deployed or goes on TDY or whatever, that Murphy's Law is alive and well. And I think when he was gone, our dishwasher blew up, the dryer broke down. I had to get a new washing machine, just numerous things. But I mean, I also had people in the community that would help me. And so you just really kind of have to pull up your bootstraps and yeah, that doesn't sound like a big deal, but when the washing machine goes down in a house full of seven kids, that's that true. is a big, <laughs> that is a big deal. deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mike, have you been able to be there for all the births? I have. I almost missed the first one. I was out in the field for the first one. Fortunately, she was in labor for a, a long time. But yeah, I've made it to every single birth. But that's not common. Yeah, that's, that's not common. With the I, amount of kids that we have, and that's not common at all. We feel very, very blessed. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really just kind of worked out uh, that way. But 
Uh, and we have a deployment gap. You know, our, our kids are spaced out every two years, and then there's one gap of four, and that's where deployment happens. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I've made it made it for all the births. Yeah. Do you feel like there's milestones you've missed out on? When it comes to like the kids' birthdays or holidays, it seems like while the event is a big deal, we are very flexible in shifting the date. And so the kids get that very easily. So if they have a birthday that's on a Tuesday and daddy's in the field, well, you know, we're going to celebrate it on Saturday. They're really flexible with that. And I think there are a lot of advantages that come with that. And I love it. I, I just appreciate our kids so much in their flexibility. Because while, like I said, while the event is important, the specifics, I guess, aren't. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book. America's been at war for about 17 years. Mike's been serving most of that time. We all face our mortality on a daily basis. We could be hit by a bus, our plane could crash, but it's not usually an occupational hazard. The threat back in 05, there was a, a significant improvised explosive device uh, threat. You know, that, that's where the enemy would bury explosive pressure plates, and, and as you roll over them, you, know, you really can't do anything about it. You, you try to go down secure roads, you try to be vigilant, and you're, you're watching for it, but you kind of get an attitude after your first few times on the road that if it's your time, it's your time. It's almost like driving down I-95, and you just can't predict all those things. And so you, I'm not going to say you get immune to it, because you definitely stay vigilant the whole time you're down there. That was, that was the major threat back then. The threat for me this time wasn't as much, uh, you know, IEDs on the roads as it was uh, the rockets. So you do get rockets, and you know, so every couple nights there's a rocket coming into the base. Mike and Anna have had to have plenty serious conversations about what the family, Anna, and the seven kids will do if the worst happens. You do have all these fears, but you, if you have a plan in action. It takes some of the fear away. Um, of course, you know, you'll always be concerned for your soldier. If you do have a plan in action, it makes it less worrisome, and you're able to live your day, day-to-day life a little bit easier. Yeah, we, we had to have that discussion early on, you know, and we, we continue to update it. Like, if something were to happen to both of us, well, who gets the kids? Because, bam, that's, you know, seven kids. You don't take that lightly. You just have to do it. Couples can go you know, half their life and not think about it, and bam. And for their surviving spouse, that's that's traumatic. And so I'm glad that we've at least, you know, hit upon that and we can deal with some of those questions. 
because we've planned. Yeah, and I think I think you're forced to deal with it pretty early, and because we've been at war so long. You know, in, in 2005, we were in Vicenza, and there was a helicopter that crashed in uh, Afghanistan, and you know that affects families in our in our church. You know, we hadn't, I hadn't deployed yet then, but you know this was right as they were getting their helicopter crash, and, and all of a sudden you're watching a family go through this as you're getting ready to deploy, and, and that forces you to have a conversation. But I, I will say that the Army, and, and maybe it wasn't perfect back in 2005, with, with the amount of time we've been in war, the Army's got pretty good at taking care of families mm-hmm. when something happens. They are not alone, um, you know, in addition yep. to the unit that's around them. You know, there's a casualty assistance officer. There's, there's someone that comes in that will help a family get through this. And, mm-hmm. and having even me having served as a casualty assistance officer, you learn so much about what you should be talking about with your spouse. It's not a good experience, but it's, it's an experience that's valuable to have so that you can go back and talk to your family about it. And then just, just know that there's all these resources available that if, if something happens. I, I think families, I can't imagine going through it as a civilian with no support because in the military we have so much support when mm-hmm. something happens. Yeah. What kind of difficult questions have you talked through? Everything from finances to paperwork, how you want things done. Yeah, I mean, there's all that's a it's a tough, a difficult you decision cremated? for you. Do you want to be, where do you where do you want to be buried? That's a big one because if you're an army brat, you've been all over the world. And where is home now? The way we kind of break it up in our family is Anna handles all the day to day finance and stuff, and pays all the bills and stuff like that, and I take care of all the long term investing. And if we wouldn't have had a conversation, you know, she wouldn't she wouldn't know anything about the investments and the you know. So you talk about that, and just like Anna said, where you know, if you die, um, do you want to be cremated? Do you want to be buried where in the world because that so many options and we've lived all over the place and you know so you have to have those conversations and then the conversation well if something happens to the kids you know where, where do they need to go and then you know life insurance all those kind of yeah. things I, I don't know that most 22 year olds are having that conversation with their spouse yeah. but in the army you have that conversation when you're 22 years old and you just make sure everybody's prepared yeah and, yeah. and sometimes it may not be that detailed it's just if something happens go grab this folder off the shelf and it's got a will and a power of attorney. Both Hannah and Mike agree that being a military family has actually strengthened their marriage. I think our marriage is, I just know that where we'd be now if it wasn't for the Army. It's been a huge blessing to us, not only in the, the ways that we've already talked about. It really encouraged us and sometimes forced us to be an independent couple, both together, and but also, and maybe more for me, more independent myself. I learned early on that I could not always depend on Mike because of his work. And so with that, it either did not get done or I had to do it myself. From the beginning, what we talked about where... We flew or drove 4,000 miles away from family and, you know, turned inwardly towards each other to work through issues and, and yeah. really establish a strong foundation. It's not all rainbows and unicorns. It is uh, sometimes it's challenging. It makes you realize what's important very quickly. I, I love that. But then you also learn to laugh. <laughs> like you just figure out like what's important and what's not and then things that you can laugh at. Over time, they've come to view the constant traveling not as a burden, but as a constant adventure. And so I didn't join the Army to travel, but the Army kind of forced us to, and I, I have loved it. And, you know, like I said, we did Alaska for three years. We've done D.C. for a couple of years. We did Syracuse, New York for a year, Italy for three years, and we did uh, Korea for three years in two different parts of Korea. And when you go there, so it's not like you're just living in Italy. When you spend three years, you get to travel and see a lot of European countries and then you know, we spent three years in Korea and, and China was right there. So our kids, we've dragged all of our kids over to, they've been on the Great Wall of China twice. Our kids pick up and move very easily. 
And then they reintegrate into the community very easily. There's so much of the world to see. Our kids, when we were over there, we really took advantage of kind of immersing ourselves in the culture. So our, our oldest boy, we were there when he was in elementary school. So we put him into an Italian school and he went and, you know, we dropped him off on his first day. He couldn't speak any Italian. <laughs> he didn't even know how to ask to go to the bathroom. And then by the time he we <laughs> left, he was, you know, navigating and helping us negotiate to purchase furniture. And we did the same thing with our uh, middle boy in Korea. We put him into a, a Korean school and yep. now he never learned how to speak Korean. I mean, that was just a bridge too far. Well, but enough <laughs> where he could communicate with the teachers. He could ask just, for food in the bathroom him. or something, but that was about the extent of his Korean. But it's just a great experience. And yeah. in those classrooms, when they're the only American in a local school, too, I think everybody benefits. I think the, yeah. the teachers would say that they loved having them around it, and our kids were exposed to a totally new culture and, and loved it. So Foods, and yeah, yeah, it was amazing. I think a lot of it is also the attitude of the parents. We love the adventure because we've lived in places that people only get to visit. On our journey, we've still kept in touch with people in different countries and it's amazing. And so I think our attitude really helps the attitude of our children. And when you say, hey, this is fun. And, you know, our kids have learned that wherever we're going to be stationed, God has already placed a best friend for them there because you meet people everywhere, like good people everywhere. And it's amazing who God puts in your path, either someone you need or someone that needs you. Anna and Mike are like these low-key superheroes of parenting, Anna especially. They've worked out how to be on the same page despite all of the isolation and uncertainties of military life. It's never been easy, but when you're on the other side of the world, out of your element, the little indignities of life don't get you as much. You turn toward each other, knowing that your spouse and kids are the truest and best things in your life. And now that their kids are getting older, Mike and Anna's marriage is changing. It's evolving yet again. For 15 years, I was either pregnant or nursing. And so there wasn't a lot of, hey, how are you doing? How am I doing? No, 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 no. It was, well, what needs to be done? How are we going to get through this? I think at that point in our marriage, it was more about technical things and logistics. And now we're rounding the corner because we have older kids. We can, you know, like I said, go out to dinner together or just go run errands together and have a converse, an adult conversation. That allowed Mike and I the flexibility to whether if we want to go out to dinner, just the two of us, or whatever it is you want to do, now the two of us can do it because we know that we have two big helpers with an 18 and almost 16-year-old. Legally, they can stay here. They know their siblings. They can watch them. They're old enough to help you know, fix things in the kitchen. But it, there's a long period of time that you're just you're in the tunnel and sometimes you see the light at the end of the tunnel and sometimes you don't but that that light at the end of the tunnel has gotten a lot closer and bigger and brighter i'm loving this stage in our life this episode was hosted and reported by joe piazza with special thanks to anna and lieutenant colonel mike haggerty it was produced edited and mixed by ramsey young the executive producers are Joe Piazza and Tyler Klang. Theme song by Tristan McNeil. For comments, suggestions, or to be part of the show, 
give us a call at 404-996-1173. That's 404-996-1173. Or send us an email at joe at committedpodcast.com. That's jo at committedpodcast.com. You can grab a copy of Joe's book, How to Be Married, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Committed is a production of iHeartRadio and produced in our studios located in Atlanta, Georgia. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey guys, Joe here. This episode of Committed is brought to you by my brand new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance. This is honestly the best book that I've ever written. I love it so much. The Sicilian Inheritance is a twisty, turny family murder mystery set on the beautiful and sometimes dangerous island of Sicily. And it's incredibly personal. It's loosely based on the real-life murder of my great-great-grandmother, Lorenza Marsala. The Sicilian Inheritance comes out on April 2nd, but it is available for pre-order right now wherever you get your books. And if you pre-order and email me your receipt to joe.piazza at gmail.com or DM me at Instagram, I will give you a free lifetime subscription to our newsletter Over the Influence. We'll be posting exclusive pictures, videos, and show transcripts for the very new season of Committed coming out in February. So pre-order The Sicilian Inheritance today. I promise you it's going to be your new favorite book.